Hey there, my name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and as the host of this show, it's my goal to introduce you to people who can help you take that next big leap on your path to success. I think that we can be too tough on ourselves, maybe because we get sucked in by social media and we're fooled into thinking that everyone around us has these perfect lives, perfect families, perfect bodies, perfect jobs. And when all you're seeing is the highlight reel, it's easy to think that everyone else has it better than you. The other part of this is that we need to realize that we have the power to change our own lives. We have the ability to choose another path and we get to choose the actions that we take each day. And when we are in a place where we are unhappy, we have the ability to take the steps that get us to a new place. These changes might not happen overnight, and some changes might seem overwhelming because they're just so huge, but that's when we find our who's, as I talked about in the previous episode, when we find our helpers and supporters and teachers and coaches, and it's where we break down that goal into steps until we're able to look at that first step as being achievable. And then when we can, we take the next step and the next step and we break down each step so that they're small enough that there is no doubt in our mind that we can achieve them. And then we only look one step at a time. And then once we take that step, we're able to take the next one and the next one, not focusing on the enormity of the larger goal, but only on the steps directly in front of us. Almost always when we want to make a big change, it requires a mindset shift. And today's guest is full of strategies to help you get to where you want to be. Emma Ehrenzeller is a life coach and meditation facilitator who helps women build resilience and confidence through the roller coaster of adulthood. A few years ago, she set off on an adventure that she assumed would be her dream, working for a global nonprofit in New Delhi, India, a place where she could explore her love for spirituality and service. After a few months, however, life wasn't so dreamy. The 14-hour low-pay nonprofit days and an unexpected medical diagnosis left her burnt out beyond comparison. She knew she needed a change, and she had to finally get clear on what she authentically wanted, not what she had always been told she should do. From that rock bottom, Authenticity Remastered was born. With her business today, Emma is obsessed with helping women build the resilience to roll with the punches of life while expressing themselves boldly from a place rooted in deep self-worth. I hope you enjoy this interview with Emma. Welcome to the show, Emma. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Lovely. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm so happy to be here. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and we were talking about COVID and how people are kind of slowly maybe starting to get back into working out and going to the gym and things. 
if they haven't been doing that regularly. Right. I know I was telling you that I have just kind of it worked out the whole way, whole time during COVID, but mm-hmm. the intensity just kept on dipping and dipping and dipping and dipping. Right. And, and so my daughter and I finally went back to Orange Theory this week and we are struggling to walk. <laughs> but I wanted to talk a little bit about just all of that mindset stuff about getting back into going to the gym. And I saw on your Instagram that you kind of have an entertaining little story, (laughs) an entertaining take on looking in the mirror at the end of, or catching your reflection at the end of a workout. Could you tell us about that? Yes, absolutely. So similarly, like I was telling you earlier, just recently I've gotten back into my own workout game been doing yoga here and there, but I'm much more of a stretchy kind of girl than like we're doing a hot yoga kind of moment. So I went to a yoga class and I was wearing non-compression like biker shorts, you know, the kind that don't have the nice band on Mm -hmm. your lower stomach that make you feel nice and sucked in. And I caught my reflection in a window and I saw my FUPA and people are not familiar with the term FUPA. It's an acronym, which I can't really get, but it's basically lower stomach that, which we all have, especially as women, protects our organs, does beautiful things for us, and it's normal and natural. So I caught this, and my initial thought was like, oh my gosh, like, is oof, oof, I didn't realize I looked like that without my compression. But it was really amazing because with my own inner work journey and with my business, a big part of what I do is thought work. And so it was a beautiful moment where I was like, hey, And I caught that thought and I stopped that kind of shame spiral. And I said, do I actually believe that having fat in my lower stomach is a bad thing? No, not at all. I've just been conditioned to think that it is. And so I went on with my day, you know, and it was a beautiful thing to see because body image for me, like many women has been a lifelong struggle. And so it was great to see, you know, it's not that I'm perfect and I never worry about these things, but there are tools that we can practice and that we can build to help us catch thoughts like that, that kind of derail our mindset and bring us back into a place of being able to love our fupas. And I like that story because I feel like a lot of people are in that place right now where you've seen lots of celebrities. I think I even saw Will Smith recently post a picture of this is the best I've ever been. And I think a lot of people are in that same boat right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a great time just to bring awareness to this idea that you can love yourself no matter how you look. And that mindset work is so important. Absolutely. And I think another big thing about it is a lot of times there's a big focus on body positivity, which is amazing. But I think if your body isn't looking the way it used to, or you feel a lot of what I call body anxiety, that can feel really unattainable. So sometimes for people, let's just get to a body neutrality place. Let me be able to accept my body as healthy, as doing the things it needs to do. And then from there, it's kind of a stepping stone into, okay, I really love this body. I really cherish the way it looks right now, not what I hope it'll look like in three months. I think that's another important piece of the mindset of taking some of that pressure off. You know, I don't have to be this perfect, always loving every single part of me, but I can be working towards that always kind of have a middle ground on the way there. Yep. And I know for me, I am really looking forward to just feeling strong again and getting my endurance back. And even though I do those things on my own, 
I do not work nearly as hard on my own than when I'm in the middle of a group fitness class. Right now, I do yoga classes now in studio, but when I work out, it's in our game room and I'm watching um, the sitcom New Girl at the same time. I'm like, I'd be lifting more if I was in a class, but I'm happy and it makes me feel strong. Like you're saying, you know, it helps me shift my focus of like, how much am I lifting compared to everyone else or those kind of things that might get in my head into like, this is just a daily practice for me to feel healthy, to feel strong and feel like I'm moving in a direction where I can prioritize this body and this vessel and it's best form and not what that means aesthetically, but just as a whole human healthy one. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you got started on this journey to become a life coach. Yes, absolutely. Well, the journey for me really started when my personal development journey kicked off. And that was a few years back. I was going through what I lovingly call my triple header of rock bottoms. So I was at this place in life where I'm still pretty young and I had my first big relationship. And as that goes, you think you're going to get married and all these things. And it turned from this beautiful thing into this kind of really codependent mush. And I didn't know what to do with it. And apart from that, this job that I thought was really going to be my future turned out to be not really what I expected and not something that I could really be in integrity with myself and who I was and continue working there. So I was like, okay, that's off. Don't know what to do next. And In all of that, I was just in this kind of like lost and confused sort of mush of like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, I have all this ambition. I know I'm smart and I know I really want to help people, but I don't really get how to channel any of that. And so at this time, I happened to be studying abroad and I had a lot of free time on my hands. And so it kind of helped me stumble into journaling and meditation. And the journaling piece came from, I just had a lot of free time and someone gave me a kind of corny journal before I left that's like wanderlust or something like that. And I started journaling and uncovering some patterns in my life of like, oh, like these relationships in my childhood mimic my relationships now and neither one of them is serving me. And with meditation, it was, I have all of this just constant overthinking, anxiousness, confusion floating through my head. And it I happened to go on a hike one day and take a rest at the top of the mountain. And I was just completely zenned out. I need this feeling whenever I can get it. So it was kind of stumbling into it. And ever since then, personal development has been really the backbone of what has gotten me through the other rock bottoms that have continued to come in life because life rocks and rolls like that. And eventually, once I decided, you know, the nonprofit world really isn't for me because that's where I was working um, for a number of years, COVID hit. I was like, I would really love to see what it's like to be my own boss. And so I just dove into it. You know, I love talking with people. I love helping them understand their self-worth and themselves and be able to boost that so that they can kind of, again, like rock and roll with what's going to inevitably happen in life from a place of more grace with themselves and strength. So it has been a long journey, but it's been a lot of fun and very, very gratifying. So I love that you are yet another one of the people that has pivoted during COVID and turned it into something awesome and turned it into something that you love. Mm -hmm. We go to a nail salon Mm -hmm. that opened in the middle of COVID and their business Mm -hmm. is fantastic. And I'm like, 
What a rough business to start in the middle of a pandemic. That's amazing. I just admire people so much that take that risk and do Mm -hmm. those things. Well, I think with COVID especially, you know, it's really brought some people to their lowest lows. And from those places, it can feel like I genuinely feel like I don't have another option. I'm going to make this work however I can, you know? So whether it's a nail salon, a coaching business, a new restaurant of all things, I feel like being in that kind of place of like, it's almost like a springboard. It's like from the bottom, we're just going to make it work and it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, we'll figure something else out. But yeah, a lot of pivoting, a lot of pivoting this past year. Yeah. So that also makes me wonder, what is your perspective? Because I know as a life coach, you have a perspective (laughs) on failure. Ooh, this is a great question. Because right now, I mean, we can be so down on ourselves for all of the things that did or did not happen in this time. But I don't think that necessarily means that you're a failure. So how can people turn that thinking around if that's how they're feeling? Right. Well, I definitely resonate with this. Before COVID, I had this, I had taken a job in India actually, and I was supposed to live in India for two years and, you know, live this great nonprofit, you know, kind of savior. I'm going to do all these amazing things kind of life. And that did not work out. And I had to prove to a lot of people like, no, I'm making the right decision. I'm doing this for me and to build my career, all of these things. And you could definitely look at that from a lot of viewpoints as like, and I certainly did for a long time, moral of the story is like, oh, I like failed at this thing that I really gave my all at. You know, I didn't meet the metrics. It didn't work. I had to end up leaving because I was so burnt out. And I've realized recently, especially over the past few weeks, I've started shifting my view of like, because I think failure kind of equates with like, okay, did I make the right decisions, which led to the right outcomes? It's caught in this kind of right versus wrong thinking. And if I was wrong, that's why I failed. If I would have been right, would have been perfect and beautiful and blah, 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 whatever we like to romanticize. Recently, I've been shifting that into, well, did I act in integrity? Yes or no? That has been an absolute game changer for me. So when I look at the situation of you know having to leave this organization that I had so much hope for and it was so fun to be living in India, and obviously that wasn't possible once COVID started, but you get what I mean. It was an integrity for me to leave because it served my highest self. It served what I know I needed to do for my literal health because I was so burnt out. And it allowed me to kind of, yes, be in this state of like, let me unpack this, what has happened over the past year, what has happened and where I really want to go forward. So for me, it's really been seeing that like, even if it leads you to places that aren't successful, integrity is always kind of that beacon to what's the next best step for you. Mm -hmm. I love that. One of my daughters during COVID quit film school and moved back home because it was all going to be online and then decided to change her major to work to um, nursing. And she didn't have any gap in any of that. As soon as the fall semester started, she took classes at our community college. And then Mm -hmm. for winter, she took classes at the school she just got accepted to their nursing program for the whole time. She was like, I don't want to tell anybody I'm doing this. I can't tell anybody I'm doing this because they're going to think I'm a failure. They're going to make fun of me. Oh yeah. And like, who is going to make fun of you for wanting to be a nurse? I know. pandemic. There is nothing wrong with that. And I just think that we are all too hard on ourselves and worry about what other people think when I think that 
again, like you said, it's with integrity. It's yeah. what she felt called to do. Absolutely. I think it was a great decision, but it just broke my heart to think that she was thinking that people were making fun of her. Well, congratulations to her. That's amazing. And it takes so much grit and self-knowing to be able to make such a big change. But that is so amazing that she's done so. Yeah, I was, we're pretty excited for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just went and got her a, picked out her apartment so she can move Aww. into the apartment for school in the fall. So she's super excited. But yeah, that external validation is very hard. That's what actually recently inspired my thoughts on integrity because I was, a lot of times in my business, you're looking for external validation. You're like, mm-hmm. people like this? Do they blah, blah, blah? I'm like, okay, is what I shared an in integrity with my path and what I want to teach? Yes or no? Well, and it goes back to also okay. just social media and the likes and everybody worrying about, oh no, I didn't, mm-hmm. that post didn't go viral or I didn't get enough likes. And mm-hmm. what does that say about me? And it's like, well, it really doesn't say anything about you. Exactly. Yeah. So as a business owner and also just as a young adult, like the social media mental game, I know when I talk with my clients and just with my friends and family, we're all always like secretly kind of like, does social media make you think about this all the time? And make you worry about these things that you feel like are superficial and you didn't care about before, but now you do. And the answer for almost all of us has been yes. So it's a beautiful tool that can connect us, especially during COVID, but it's one, you know, that needs some boundaries around can be very difficult too. So now I want to shift a little bit to self-care. We were talking earlier about how self-care is not all bubble baths and facials and candlelight. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what self-care means to you. Yes. So I see self-care kind of in two parts. The first being understanding what you need to feel like you can live as your best self, your highest self, and the person you want to be that given day. So it's a certain amount of discipline almost to be able to indulge in these things in its own way. It's like you have to be able to kind of explore some different things, whether it be journaling, meditation, having regular deep vulnerable conversations with your loved ones. These things to me are all very much self-care. And I think that they kind of get swept under the rug for the commercialized self-care stuff when really these things can just ground us day in and day out. And they need to be a practice. Like self-care can't be something you do when you finally have a free Friday night. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to, now I'm going to journal. Now I'm going to do this thing. Obviously, that's the only time you do it. You do it. I support you fully. But (laughs) again, just discipline of this is what I do for myself regularly to care for my physical, mental, and emotional health and spiritual for them if that's their cup of tea. So that's part one, understanding what works for you and being open to figure that out. You know, that takes time and it takes grace with yourself. And the other part to give some sort of openness to the people who do see it as more of the bubble baths and the this and the that. That being said, a bubble bath is extremely calming and meditative for me. So full support. There is a certain essence of self-care that can be, I'm worth investing in. And so I'm going to do that. And for some people, it might be the face masks. Some people might just be buying themselves flowers, but I do think without it being this commercialized thing of like, well, I'm doing a face mask. So now I'm doing self-care. It's instead like, even if it is these little micro things, it's kind of like micro tuning your day to let your mind know you are worth investing in 
within your means, of course, but you are worth building a beautiful life beyond just what you do day in and day out. And so for the more commercial side, I give them that of yes, invest in yourself and your happiness in the macro and the micro, but also have a regular discipline of what makes you feel your best genuinely. And so for you, meditation is one of those things, right? Big one. Yes. Okay. Talk to us about meditation because I know that there are lots of people, myself included, who Mm -hmm. are like, yeah, I agree with this in theory. I understand the benefits, but as much as I say it's important, I never make the time. So why Mm. is it important? And then how can we start, take those baby steps? Right. Meditation has been so influential in my life. If I give you the laundry list, it's given me this ongoing sense of inner peace, deeper confidence, connection to my intuition and you know what I really want to do next, better sleep, better health. I mean, all of these beautiful things that like you said, I know why, but is that motivating me? No. I think meditation people get caught up with it sometimes because it sounds like this very intimidating thing, you know? It sounds like all right, now I go into the walk-in closet if I have one because it's a quiet space and I sit down for 10 minutes in total silence and then I'm done. And like maybe my thoughts went away, maybe they didn't and I just thought about feeding my cat after this the whole time (laughs) and I had a song stuck in my head. I think that's how a lot of people think about meditation And I'm just here to like free anyone from that thinking of like, that is not how I started. And the majority of times that I meditate, someone who now teaches meditation, I'm not doing that. That's a really intimidating place to start. Silence and being with your thoughts and trying to quiet them, which feels very impossible. No, thank you. So instead, how I view meditation and how I teach it is from a very expansive and more liberal viewpoint of Meditation is anything that stills my soul. Okay. And I always get scared that when people hear this, they're going to give me an eye roll or something. I'm like, you know what? You're the one in a meditation class. We're here to learn. And I love giving this wide viewpoint of it because then a lot of things can become meditation. So I know, Kim, with you, running is a huge thing. For many people, running is meditative. You get to this kind of zened out, zoned out, but also very focused point of energy, that is exactly that meditative energy. The end of a yoga class, I always joke that if you're alone in your car singing Adele really loudly, that that has very much meditative aspects to it. When I flip it like that, I find that people are much more receptive to being like, oh, well, I could try something like that. I could find the things like that that work for me. Because I think that we just need more openness in the personal development world and more welcoming energy for people to find what works for them rather than selling one strategy that's meant to fit everybody. So could it be something like going for a walk or going for a hike without listening Mm -hmm. to music or with just with your earbuds, just listening to nature and what's going on around you? Absolutely. Walks can be incredibly meditative. And there, I mean, for people who want a more traditional approach, like There are in some traditions, like sort of mazes that you continue to walk through. And that's kind of like your morning meditation. So that is absolutely one, you know, and I love to ask people, what are some times that you felt like, oh, I was kind of just like zoning out and at peace in this moment. That was meditative for me. Get them thinking about how it already is present in their lives. 
rather than something new they have to add in. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I've really been on this big kick about lately is getting away from the thought because for so long, so many of the gurus were telling Mm -hmm. you that you had to have this three hour morning routine and, you know, all successful people are early risers and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like, well, that may be true. It's better to do what works for you. And if you are not, how many moms with young children have time to get up? I mean, they're trying to get every last bit of sleep that they can. You Mm -hmm. don't have time for a lengthy morning routine. So I like this idea that you can make it work into different parts of your day. Yes. And I like to take that entire theme and bring it into all kind of personal development, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, whatever it might be. The moral of the story is to find what works for you. Ultimately, you know, personal development is an industry. And unfortunately, a lot of these kind of gurus and some big coaches and stuff, whether they realize it or not, they do use shame to pressure people into having a certain kind of routine or a certain kind of thing like that guru or person does, you know, and that's not how it works. Like if you look at successful people, they come from a whole gamut of backgrounds and they have a whole gamut of different approaches to how they do life. So I know like this is definitely something I've learned by experience because I'm like, okay, they have a strategy. I'll just do what they do and then I'll be successful. And I've had to really learn over time. No, it's really what works for you. And a lot of what I teach and when I teach my meditation courses and when I work with my clients, it's very much, I give them a gamut of things to explore rather than here are, you know, the two types of meditation you do at the morning and night, and then you're perfect. So I love that you bring that up because I think that that is a very overlooked lesson in life generally, but especially when we're working on ourselves and we're trying to build our best day or our best morning routine, some people do not want to wake up earlier and that won't work for them, but maybe they go to bed really late and maybe at night they want to add in a few minutes of journaling or they want to add in a long talk with their partner. It's going to be something different for everyone and that's totally okay. And that's really beautiful. I also want to talk journaling. How does journaling fit in to self-care and how do you recommend people go about doing it without it becoming this long drawn out thing that they dread and so they don't do? Yes. Funny, we were talking about this earlier, but as you know, I had a journal in middle school where I was in sixth grade, highest level of angst you can get in your entire life. And I made this commitment to myself of like, I'm going to journal every single day about what happened in my day. I do not recommend starting like that because I remember being in sixth grade and being like, oh, now I have to write about what happened in religion class, but nothing happened and yada, yada. Glad I did now because it's very funny to look back on. But I think a really great way to get started is to start why people should journal I think we all have a lot of thoughts buzzing around in our heads all day. You know, whether you consider yourself an overthinker or not, I think a lot of us fall into the category of the former, a lot of because of social media and kind of that instant gratification culture and just a lot of stuff at us really fast all the time. I think our minds have kind of taken on that pattern too. I love journaling because it takes things kind of down from the ethers and puts them out on paper. So you can be, say you're really ruminating over what you should do next in life. Instead of just letting that thought 
just continue to take up all of your mental energy, getting out a piece of paper and a pen, or even just the notes app on your phone, what's successful for you at that moment, listing out all of the possible things that you are interested in, listing out all of the things you're passionate about, you know, finding middle ground in these. It's this beautiful exploratory tool that we all can use at any time. And again, it just, it grounds things. It doesn't let them keep floating around in our minds like a cloud or just like this continual storm. It takes it down and kind of builds some roots, lets new things grow. That's why I think journaling is so impactful. A great way to get started. I always go to Target and take 20 minutes to pick out a cute new journal. Once I do that, I think when I first got started, picking out a few journal prompts online is a really great way to just be like, I don't really know where to start, but I guess we'll start here. That's a great way. Or if you notice like I'm feeling this kind of really icky emotion right now, I'm feeling really triggered, journal about your day. Journal about what happened that day and how something that happened earlier maybe led to your feeling. You know, it's this beautiful thing that can give us all of these epiphanies about how the different patterns in our lives are connected, how certain things might set us off to make or feel a certain thing. It lets us explore our minds without doing it in our mind and getting lost in the thoughts. I think that that's really powerful too, because you can start to see connections that you didn't know were there until you start to write things down, which Mm -hmm. is why I recommend that runners do it too, because Mm -hmm. you can start to see patterns between your thoughts and your performance and what you eat and how you perform and all the things you, maybe you start to see, Oh, I always get injured when I get to the point where I'm doing whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So you can start to see all those connections that you might not be aware of. Right. And it helps you get clarity on what are the things that are happening. And it also gives you clarity on like, what are the things that aren't happening? You know, it's like, if we even just take the higher level example of food, like you mentioned, you know, journaling on what you're eating and things like that, you might think, oh, I think anytime I have dairy, my stomach gets upset. But if you're not really like getting clear with it or, you know, tracking it, if it's something that's bugging you, maybe it's really the extra cookie you have or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'm, that's not me saying people shouldn't have cookies or dairy. I don't mean that, but I mean more thematically, it helps us identify like when we're not getting clear on what's happening, sometimes we like to blame one thing when we're not taking the time to be intentional and realizing it's another. So this happens in relationships, in our own inner world with triggers, all of that kind of stuff. All right. So you have a course called Authenticity Remastered, right? So my business name is Authenticity Remastered. But yes, I have a course called The Absolute Basics of Meditation. All right. Tell us a little bit about how people can find you, what the course is about, how they can work with you, all of that. Yes. Yes. So first and foremost, I like to always have accessibility really at the heart of my business. So I do offer many free resources. I do free meditations every week on YouTube and Instagram just to help people get started because I think that that can be like we were talking about, you know, the biggest hump for people who want to get to that next level. I created a beginner's course for people who want to start meditating and really create a practice not that they feel like they have to do, but they actually want to, that they enjoy doing, called the absolute basics of meditation. And I call it a bomb. And when I'm feeling really corny, I call it a bomb.com. So that's the acronym. 
But with this, I go through a lot of what we were talking about here. You know, what is meditation? What are the times that you've meditated? What are these myths of, you know, there are two quieting my mind and I can't do that. So I'm not going to, we go through all of those kind of things. We debunk it. We help you build a schedule. We're saying we, but it's really just me. I help you build a schedule (laughs) that actually works for you. Not just waking up five minutes earlier every day. And then I go through the five types of meditation that helped me when I was getting started. Only one of them requires you to sit in quiet. The rest of them channel that overthinking or even just kind of mental buzz energy, channel that into a productive meditation, which is probably my favorite part of it and my favorite thing to debunk for people. It's like, oh, like you can actually use your thoughts to have a better meditation and to have better insights about yourself. So that is my beginner's meditation course, which I so love. And that's available through my website, through my Instagram, all can be found. If you search authenticity remastered, that's me. Then the other piece I have is my one-on-one coaching. Um, So I love working with women to help them build their confidence, unpack the negative things that they've been taught to believe about themselves that have given them lower self-esteem and really step into their full self-worth. Because when I found when I can do this for myself, I'm able, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning to really move with those ups and downs of life without being completely tossed around by them. I can stay a certain level of grounded because I have a better understanding of who I am, of the support that I have and the direction that I'm moving. And that's really what I love to help women, especially women who are transitioning into young adulthood, because there's just so much when you come out of school and you're in your twenties and life is a cluster, a lot of days. So do that with my one-on-one coaching and one-off sessions and in my ongoing coaching programs um, for six weeks. So yeah, that's what I have. Those sound both like amazing courses. Thank you. Mm -hmm. you. And your website is authenticityremastered.com. Exactly. Correct. And should they look for you on Instagram also? Yes. My Instagram handle is the same at authenticity remastered. Simple as that. And I would love to connect with anyone listening if any of this resonated with you and just chat a little bit more about how this is relevant in your life. Yeah. And I did also just, just start a YouTube channel to also post my meditations on. That is called Meditation with MZL. So I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. This has been so lovely. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.